Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Back for another week. Uh, this is straight my opinions podcast this week. Uh, no history lesson here. A few stats for what's going on right now currently in sports. A few other topics that we're going to talk about as well. We've got Major League Baseball on tap, the NCAA on top, on tap, and we also have NFL on top as on tap as well on top. Like I'm uh, some guy from Britain apparently. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, as you know, we are a proud partner of ShankItGolf.com, where you can get all of your golf apparel needs and bags as well uh go to shankygolf.com when you go to check out use the code one guy that's o-n-e-g-u-y one guy all right so it is uh i'm gonna open up the podcast talking about bob knight who we have lost this week um bob knight was a fixture of indiana ba- indiana basketball when i was growing up he also coached at Texas Tech, and he coached for the Army Black Knights as well. Uh, while at Army, uh, Knight led the Black Knights to four postseason tournament appearances in six seasons, winning two-thirds of his games along the way. He then took the job at Indiana, where he would win three national championships, one NIT, 11 Big Ten Conference championships as well, and he went undefeated in 75 and 76 as well. He would also coach the 84 Olympics team to a gold medal, um, becoming one of only three basketball coaches to win an NCAA title, an NIT title, and an Olympic gold medal. He was the innovator of the motion offense as well. Created a lot of controversy at, the t- at times as well with his ways of coaching, his argument with the refs, but man, could he wear a sweater. Um, early in life, he grew up in Massillon, Ohio, or he was born in Massillon, Ohio, grew up in Orville, Ohio, and played basketball at Orville High School. Uh, he played at Ohio State in 58, where he was coached by the Hall of Fame coach Fred Taylor, and he was a reserve role as a forward. Um, he, uh, he was on the 1960 Buckeyes team that featured John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas. And then he, the Buckeyes lost um, to the Bearcats in each of the next two NCAA games, which Knight was a part of. And then in 61, uh, they also, uh, Knight usually received scant playing time, but that didn't prevent him making, from making an impact. And in the 61 NCAA championship game, Knight came off the bench with a minute 41 on the clock in Cincinnati, leading Ohio State uh, 61-49 as well. Um, 
So he lettered in basketball at Ohio State. Um, and then once he graduated there, he went, he enlisted in the Army, where he was at, on active duty from 63 to 65, Army Reserves from 65 to 69. Um, and he also met uh, one of his players at West Point was Mike Krzyzewski, another heck of a coach as well. So, um, and then obviously the 70s, 80s, and 90s, he was all with the Hoosiers, as we stated. Then he had a final stint at Texas Tech, which was ended in controversy. He did win 126 games with the Red Raider with the Red Raiders. Um, so there is Bob Knight. Uh, he worked for ESPN for a while. Um, and his legacy was his winning of his basketball coach. He is fourth all time behind Shashetsky, Jim Boheim, and Roy Williams. So he was number one for a while after he passed Dean Smith in January of 2007. So, uh, so my thoughts and prayers go out to the Knight family. And um, as Bob Knight definitely was one of a kind. So that leads us into, we have the Rangers World Series, okay? I had the Rangers win it in six, they did it in five. World Series MVP was Corey Seager, second time he has won that award. Three of the four major sports champions uh, this last year were first-time winners. Uh, you had the Vegas Golden Knights in hockey, Denver Nuggets in basketball, and the Tech and the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. The only team that was be that the only other team that won a major sports title this year was Kansas City, and I know they're soccer with us now as well. And I'm sorry, but that's not there yet. MLS will soon will be, I'm sure. Uh, Kansas City won the Super Bowl in January in February. Now the pet. Now my thoughts on the Rangers were, they are, and the immortal words of Dennis Green, they were who we thought they were. Right. Uh, the Rangers had pretty much led, led the AFC West all year long. Uh, they did take a little swing, a little dip in September, which cost them the title at the end against the, when the Mariners are trying to make the playoffs, but that ended up letting them play the playing game against the Rangers, which they would go on to win. And the Rangers basically mentality was swing a big stick. And that's basically what they did in the playoffs. They hit, uh, 20 some home runs this this offseason or Adolis Garcia had his streak Seager was popping off in the World Series they also had two of the most dominating pitchers in playoffs the playoffs this year with Nathan Eovaldi going 5-0 with a 2.35 ERA Jordan Montgomery went 3-1 and and the Rangers were 4-2 when he started and but according to Brian Cashman, I know this is gonna be a knock at the Yankees fans. Uh, he said he wasn't a playoff pitcher, and that's why he didn't get re-signed. Well, he proved he was a playoff pitcher by being the ace of the staff in the ALDS, and proved that he could uh, handle himself in the World Series as well. So for all you old-time baseball fans, the long ball beat the small ball this year. You can play small ball, but you still need that bat in the in the middle of the lineup that can go yard home run the home run is always a good thing hence the reason why we have dingers in our title 
because we love the long ball around here. All right. Back in the day, I do remember my uncle telling me when there would be a ninth inning rally and a guy comes up and hits a home run, he goes, ah, that's a rally killer right there. I no longer think that as time has progressed because now I feel like the guy gets up and hits a dinger and the next guy wants to do it as well. Look at Corey Seager, game one. Adalis Garcia then hits a dinger in the extra innings. All right. Um, Ranger, like I said, Rangers in first place most of the year. Uh, and this is no knock at Arizona. Arizona surprised everyone, especially me. Um, but I think, and I think they can get back next year by adding that one slugger in the middle of the lineup that's going to get those guys uh, to get them all in. Because they got plenty of guys that can get on base. They're fast, very, very fast players. So, baseball is over. Now you take about three weeks off before you have the um, – take about a month off, actually. I mean, you're going to have some mid-end-of-the-season transactions, guys not getting cut from their contract, whatnot. But the uh, general manager meeting uh, takes place the first weekend of December. First week of December, so look at that time as well. That's when all your free agents are going to pretty much sign or deals are going to be started as well. So, let's move on to the NBA now, okay? Biggest news of the week, James Harden to the Los Angeles Clippers. And damn you, Adrian Wojciechowski. Had me up until 3 a.m. waiting on the details of this trade just because I wanted to make sure we didn't have to trade Terrence Mann or Russ Westbrook. Which they did not. So, that was a win in my category. So, the Clippers... Um, ended up getting Harden and P.J. Tucker in return for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, four picks, and a pick swap. I do not care about if we had to give up spot. I do not care if we had to give up picks or not. We got James Harden. And I know some of you guys are like, well, he's not an all-star anymore. But, you know, he's a former league MVP. And I understand our team has three players now, four players now. That all are in their mid-30s. I get that. We're the we're the old team on the block, right? But guess what? If they all can just stay healthy, we are the team to beat in the West. Still think Denver gets the one seed, but the Clippers definitely get the two seed for sure, as I predicted even before this trade. All right. Now, what did they give up? They gave up Morris, who is no longer in the starting role, right? Came off the bench. Uh, they gave up Covington, who was an end-of-the-bench piece, didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, they gave up Batum, who provided value when they had to go small, and that was about it. Um, and then K.J. Martin was a guy that was end-of-the-bench type player. Didn't really get to see him play much, because but you had Bones Highland and Terrence Mann ahead of him. So, I'm not feeling bad about this trade. Now, the pick swap is with the Thunder. Because um, the Thunder gave up a first rounder from their trade earlier, so they gave a 2026 20, first rounder up, and then they get the Clippers 27 and 28 first rounders, and then they get a swap as well. So that could be a good deal. Um, what do the Sixers get in return? Well, they get a couple picks, plus they get, like I said, they get Morris, they get um, Batum, which I think all those guys are going to be like better pieces for them. 
Obviously, the Sixers had a falling out with Harden, or Harden had a falling out with the Sixers. One of the two. Don't really care. Um, Daryl Morey finally decided to pull the trigger and trade him to the Clippers, as the Clippers were the only team that were looking to him. Now, Maxi has been playing out of his shoes, obviously. So, And then they get a bunch of good role players. So you're going to have Morris coming off the bench. Batum can play center. Covington is still Covington. I mean, he's still pretty good. Um, KJ Martin, I think, doesn't really fill into that role, but I think he develops over there with Nick Nurse as the head coach. Um, so I think both teams kind of – I think the Clippers really went out ahead. Obviously, the Thunder got another pick. I mean, geez, they're just swooping in and getting all the Clippers picks. So what? Uh, that could be dangerous down the line, but as of right now, no. And, you know, here's another thing is everybody's under contract only through the end of this year. Next year, they all have player options or they're going unsigned as well. So guess what's going to happen? We have the richest owner in the NBA who isn't afraid to spend his Microsoft money. You got to remember this guy paid cash for the team at $2.8 billion when he became the owner. And he is also, um, he also is building a new arena over in Inglewood. So now you have four guys on this team that are, um, you got four guys on this team that are all from LA, Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, MPG. So there you have it. We got a good time, good old homegrown talent. Well, not homegrown talent, but I mean, they are from the LA area. So, so definitely a win in my book. Then we have the other news is Wimbiana is still adjusting in the NBA, obviously. And the Suns are having an injury issue with Booker and Beal. Imagine that. I really think Wimbiana definitely starts coming to his own once he does adjust to the physicality of the NBA rather than EuroLeague. I think the EuroLeague is a little bit softer. It has a little bit different um, different rules. So you got to really, you know, Wimbiana is a smart kid. He's young. He's still 7'6 and can handle the ball. So he's definitely um, going to be a presence as well. Uh, I do believe that Shaq's comment of him being a, I don't know, a more prestigious ball ball was kind of out of line. But it's Shaquille O'Neal, and he thinks he's the greatest of all time, which he might have a chance of that at being center. But you still had Bill Russell, who shut at 6'9", shut down Wilt Chamberlain. Okay. There's a reason why Will Chamber doesn't have a lot of rings, and his name is Bill Russell. So, uh, Also starting this week in the NBA, we have the end-season tournament. The long-awaited end-season tournament kicks off uh, November 3rd. It's set up soccer style with a group stage that all 30 NBA teams are a part of, and, then it go, and that ends on November 28th. And then you have the quarterfinals December 4th and 5th, and the semifinals December 7th with a championship game on December 9th. Each group has five teams in it, and there are a total of six groups, obviously. So then there, so the ones that make the qualifier quarterfinals is going to be the six group winners and then the two wild cards that have the highest winning percentage and, and are and finish second in the group. They had to finish second in the group in order to qualify. All right. Uh, they advanced to the knockout round, and then which is a winner-take-all 
type situation from there. The semi and the finals are held in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena as well. So get your tickets if you're going to go. So when are they going to play these games? Well, they're going to mix them in with the regular season, obviously, because that's how we're going to do things in the NBA. We're just not pausing the season. We're just going to uh, just add them in, throw them into the record. So the group stage games, like I said, they start tomorrow, go through the 28th. So you got games on the 3rd, the 10th, the 14th, the 17th, the 21st, the 24th, and 28th. So all those games, those nights are all part of the in-season tournament. So what are the incentives for the players in this tournament? Why would the the players agree to this? Well, when you reach a semi or quarterfinal game, each player gets $50,000. That's a huge bonus for your guys that don't play or are playing on the minimum. If they make the semi, each player gets 100k. So if you win the first two rounds or make the first two rounds, you get $150,000 extra. If you make the championship game, you get 200k per player, and the winning team gets 500,000 for winning it at all. So you have a potential of winning $850,000 as an end of the bench player. So what are the groups of this beautiful tournament? Well, that would be your group A in the East is the 76ers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Indiana Pacers, and the Detroit Pistons. Group B is the Bucks, the Knicks, the Heat, the Wizards, and the Hornets. Group C is Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Chicago, and Orlando. In the West, you have Group A as Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, you have the uh, Phoenix Suns, the LA Lakers, the Utah Jazz, and the Portland Trailblazers. Group B, you got the Denver Nuggets, Los Angeles Clippers, New Orleans Pelicans, Dallas Mavericks, and Houston Rockets. And then you have Group C, which is the Sacramento Kings, the Warriors, the T-Wolves, the Thunder, and the Spurs. I think Group B of the West is the hardest division. And I definitely think Group C is the funnest division of that of the West. Out East, um, I do believe the there's not really any tough ones here. I think they're all open. I mean, the, the East is the East. Like, they're not really that good. <laughs> I mean, besides the the Bucks, the Celtics, that's about it. So. So, there. So, that's what's happening in the NBA. Now, what do we got going on in NCAA? Well... If you haven't been paying attention, Michigan is under an investigation for sign stealing, and it's a massive deal. The guy allegedly paid people and bought their ticket to games of the opponent that Michigan would be playing and had them videotape the sidelines. This is uh, Bill Belichick times a thousand in my book. Like, I understand, like, Bill Belichick back in the day would set up a camera at the end of the stadium, high atop the stadium, and then would watch the the team's walkthrough, right? Watching the team's walkthrough, blah, blah, blah. But this is, this is going above and beyond tr- sportsmanship. This is above and beyond the 
what would happen um, during a game. Like, you could probably, like in baseball, obviously, during the game, you're looking at, looking at the third base coach and trying to pick up the signs of what's happening, right? You're trying to pick up the signs of the catcher when you're standing on second if you're trying to, you know, pick up which pitches are going to be pitched, right? That's part of the game. That's game and that's gamesmanship during the game. This is beyond that. This is guys buying plane tickets, buying tickets, buying plane tickets, buying game tickets, and literally just sitting in the stands and videotaping the signs of the sideline. This is advanced scouting at its advanced scouting stage, I guess. I don't know. But this is above and beyond what should be allowed in it. And as of this week, uh, the coaches at the Big Ten uh, had their meeting with the Big Ten meeting, uh, their weekly meeting, obviously, blah, blah, blah. Uh, After the call, Jim Harbaugh dropped off, and all the coaches aired out their grievances with the Big Ten of why they're not doing something with it already. Because something should be done already. Harbaugh should be suspended. Somebody, I mean, because ultimately it comes down to the head coach, right? That's what this comes down to. Is the program out of control? If so, which I believe Harbaugh already being suspended for three games this this year adds on top of this that the Michigan program is out of control. Now, do I think the NCAA is going to give them the death, death penalty like they did uh, SMU? No. And the cliff notes of the uh, of the death penalty is when a program is out of control, the NCAA has the right to remove that program for as many years as they want to. Ask SMU how that has worked out for them because they had one of the best football programs. All, you know, made, all all of them were bought players, but still, boosters had a lot of money, especially around the Dallas Fort Worth area, and. Still, nobody understands where Eric Dickerson got the car, but that's okay. But at the same time, SMU got the death penalty, okay? Now we are all right with players getting money, just not from boosters, obviously. So, whatever. I think players, NCAA players, should get some kind of money as it is. So, there's that. Okay? All right. Now... What's going to happen to Harbaugh? Well, I think he is going to get suspended by the Big Ten, suspended by the NCAA, could affect his uh, tenure at Michigan, no longer be Michigan head coach, at which point he becomes a Raiders head coach. But let's get more into that at the NFL part of it and more specifically at the Raiders section of this podcast at the end of it. Because I don't want to bore you guys with my Raiders rant when you guys aren't Raiders fans. So... The Raiders rant at the end of this podcast is for Raiders fans. If y'all want to stick around and listen to it, perfectly fine. If you don't want to drop off, that's fine too. It's up to you. So the the first, also another thing that came out this week is the first college playoff rankings came out, and I'm very shocked that Ohio State is number one. I understand Georgia's had a rough time, lost their t- star tight end to an ACL injury, but at the same time, it's Georgia. And I felt like they should have been number one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Florida State four. But in their rankings, they had Ohio State one, Georgia two, Michigan three, Florida State four. Now, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan are going to take care of each other on the field. So that's neither here nor there. But Georgia could lose a game. I thought their trap game was last week against Florida. Obviously, it wasn't. So maybe Georgia stays, gets back to that one seed. 
Florida State's number four. I still think that it's going to be them and Louis. I think it's going to be them and Louisville in the ACC championship, which would be fine by me. All right. Uh, the rest of the top ten is Washington at five, Oregon at six, Texas is at seven, Alabama at eight. Number nine is Oklahoma, which I'm shocked at that after their loss to um, uh, Kansas this week. Um, let's see, and then uh, number nine or number ten is Ole Miss. And for you, M, for you Mountain West Conference fans out there, Air Force is number twenty-five. And the other undefeated teams not listed in this top 25 college payoff rankings is uh, Liberty, who is in first place of Conference USA at 8-0, and James Madison of the Sunbelt Conference, which is 8-0 as well. So, I mean, I mean, here's, and realistically, if you really break it down by conferences, you got three Big Ten teams with Penn State at 11. You got um, SEC has six teams with Missouri at 12, LSU at 14, Tennessee at 17. The ACC has two with Louisville and Florida State. You got Notre Dame as an independent at number 15. Pac-12 has six listed. Oregon State's at 16, Utah 18, UCLA 19, USC 20 on top of the two in the top six. Big 12 has five with Kansas um, at 21, Oklahoma State at 22, and K-State at 23. And then Tulane is coming in at 24. So that's your top 25. Now, the game of the week is K-State. Games of the week this week and are K-State, Texas. They're on 11 a.m. Central on Fox. Army Air Force at 1.30 on CBS Sports Network. I always like to throw a little military game in there. Those are the best. I um, never know who's going to win, but unfortunately we all know who's going to win this one, Air Force. Um, Air Force and their run game, the flex-bound offense, baby. Uh, you'll see you got Missouri versus Georgia, number 12 versus number 2 this week, 2.30 p.m. on CBS. Oklahoma versus Okie State at 2.30 on ABC. Washington versus USC at 6.30 tonight on ABC. LSU and Alabama at 6.45 on CBS. Audible Mitchens. Always got to mention my UNLV Rebs. Uh, they're taking on New Mexico this week. They're going to bounce back from that disastrous loss from Fresno State last week. Which, uh, I mean, when you turn the ball over four times, you can't expect to win. But we had a chance at the end to win the game and just couldn't do it. Um, so, which is fine. You know, we take a loss on the chin like everybody else and we move on. Especially when we're 6-2 and two now and nobody thought we were going to be that good anyways. Still have a chance at making the Mountain West Conference uh, championship game December 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, another honorable mention, of course, is the Colorado game. Colorado versus Oregon State. Wisconsin versus Indiana is going to be a good game. And then you got Texas A&M versus Old Miss as well. Uh, my picks of the week, I got Texas over K-State. Uh, I got Oklahoma on upset alert against uh, Oklahoma State. All right, uh, unless Oklahoma can run the ball, then they might have a chance. I got Washington over USC. I got Alabama over LSU in a close one. I think LSU leads at halftime, but Alabama eventually wins. And then here's off-the-radar games. I got Arkansas at Florida. We're taking Florida at home. And then why not throw in another Mountain West Conference game? Hawaii versus Nevada, the two of the worst teams, playing up in Reno. And we're going with... Hawaii.
Tommy Chang and the Hawaii Warriors. So let's get on to the NFL version of this podcast, shall we? We're going to give a mid-season review so far of how it's going to go. Well, this week, uh, the Vikings lost. Uh, first of all, the trade deadline just came and went. You had Leonard Williams going to the honorable or the biggest trades of the of the week went from was Leonard Williams going to the Seattle Seahawks. And we'll get into that one a little bit later. And you got Chase Young going to the Niners to add to that defense. And my God, that's going to be a good defense. I mean, it's already a good defense. Now it just got better with Chase Young and Nick Bosa on opposite sides. All right. So the Vikings lost uh, Kirk Cousins this week to an Achilles injury. Second quarterback to go down with an Achilles injury. Aaron Rodgers is out there throwing catch around on his Achilles injury, trying to prove some kind of scientific facts wrong, I guess. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and if he comes back and plays this year, more power to the guy. Okay? Um, uh, also, the Vikings should have Je- Justin Jefferson back in a couple weeks. They do add... They did add Josh Dobbs this week to be their backup quarter quarterback, which I think he takes over the starting spot here shortly. And this week will be Jalen Hall throwing the pigskin around for him. And as long as Dobbs can game manage like he did in Arizona so far this year, the Vikings have a shot at the playoffs. And maybe do some damage. I mean, when you got Jefferson and the way Jordan Addison's playing, and you also got T.J. Hawkinson and you got K.J. Osborne in the slot, those are some weapons. Just going to make accurate reads, accurate throws, you win ball games. Eagles are the Eagles. Um, besides that loss of the Jets, which they didn't have Darius Slay. All right, Darius Slay plays a huge part of that ba- that back end of that defense. And when he's not in the game, that Eagles defense isn't as cohesive as it should be. Uh, and then the Lions are difficult, definitely living up to any expectations they had so far this year. Um, they didn't punch the ball in the red zone against the Raiders this week much, but. That Raiders defense is better than what it's being given credit for. So, yeah, uh, the rest of the season, uh, the Lions only play one team with a current winning record, and that's Dallas on December 30th. So, I mean, they do play the Vikings twice, who are 4-4. Four and four. So, I mean, the Lions pretty much are going to win the North. So... Uh, like I said, the Seahawks are the – and then you got the Seahawks who are the surprise of the NFC West at 5-2. and two. They just got Leonard Williams from the Giants, and that is absolutely huge, big time. Uh, he definitely fills a hole in the middle of that thing, especially with trying to stop the run. He's definitely a two-gap guy um, that definitely can push up the middle to get there. Um, Seattle is uh, – <clears throat> um, they have five games against teams with uh, winning records. Oh, two of them are against the Niners and a Cowboys game sandwiched in between. So they go Niners, Cowboys, Niners. Um, and then they host the Eagles and they play Pittsburgh at home on December 31st. If they can just go three and one in that sandwich stretch of Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles, uh, they have a chance to win the West. NFC South is a toss up. Atlanta holds the lead at four and four. Saints are four and four as well. Tampa Bay is three and four. And Carolina getting their first win this week against Houston was awesome. Um, I, w- I went with Carolina to win uh, at the beginning of the season, but it looks like that is not happening. Unless they can go on a tear, which they might be able to. I mean, they're only three game, three and a half games out, right? So, I mean, it, there's a chance. And sorry, Panthers fans, but you did get the one guy jinxed on that deal. Uh, the NFC playoff teams, 
so far are the Eagles, Lions, Seattle, Atlanta, Dallas, San Francisco, and Minnesota. Looks like a 90s version of that. So, let's see. What's going on in the AFC, right? Well, in the AFC, you got Casey is number one in the AFC West, also um, number one in the AFC overall. Then you got the Chargers, who are a 9-8 and eight or an 8-9 team. They do not look anything special. Then you got the Broncos, who are on a two-game winning streak. And then you got the Raiders. As I said, we'll discuss those in a bit. Huge changes happened in Las Vegas this week, which I am happy to see. Out in the AFC East, you have a two-team race between the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, um, who are like Je- – the Bills are like Je- Je- Jekyll and Hyde, right? They beat four teams under 500 plus Miami. And they have lost to the Jets and Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars game was in UK. And they lost to the Patriots and Foxborough, which got Bill Belichick's 300th win as a head coach. They have Cincy this week on Sunday Night Football. And uh, they have four more games against winning teams while also playing the Broncos, Chargers, and SoFi, the Patriots at home as well. Miami has six games against teams above 500. Uh, the Chiefs in Germany this weekend, so that's an 8.30 kickoff. Um, and then they got a bye week after that. Then they got two games against the Jets. And then they finish the season with Dallas, um, Baltimore, Buffalo. Uh, the losing team. And then uh, the losing teams they have is the Raiders off the bye at home, the Commanders, and the Titans. So the Dolphins hold first place in the AFC East right now and look to, as long as they can – Hold on to it. I think they can win that AFC East as well. And the AFC North, they're all separated by a game and a half. Sorry for my dog. Um, Baltimore, 6-3. and three. Everyone else is 4-3. and three. Um, Baltimore uh, has seven games against teams above 500. And they are 2-1 and one against the division with the loss coming to Pittsburgh. Lamar Jackson is definitely uh, doing things with his arm this year as well as his legs. He has 1,767 yards passing, 380 yards rushing. He has nine TDs passing, three INTs, and he has five rushing TDs. However, he has fumbled four times, and only, but he's lost two of those. So a little better ball security is needed there. Pittsburgh and Tennessee play um, played last night, and I'm sure Pittsburgh won because unless Will Levis, Levis showed up and blew him out of the water. Which I could see that too. Uh, next, they have Phil, they have Green Bay, Cleveland, Cincinnati. They only have five games against teams above 500, and four of them are division games. So Pittsburgh has an inside chance of winning the division, as they're two and zero in the division right now with Kenny Pickett at the quarterback position. And as long as he can just maintain, he will do good. Uh, next up, you got Cincy and the AFC, uh, the AFC team that I picked to win the Super Bowl. Uh, started off one and four, and they've gone three and zero since. Joe Burrow definitely looks healthy. Again, uh, they have eight games against teams five hundred or better. The two that are not is Houston and Indy, um, but Houston does have an improve, much improved defense, so they might have a tough time against that one. Uh, they have Cleveland. They have left to go in the game as well. Uh, they got the Cards this week. Then they have the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, they have five games against teams. Oh, sorry. So, yeah. So, Cincinnati has eight games against teams, and then they got two games. uh, There are two games left that are against Houston and Indy or not. So, they might have a tough chance going the rest of the way. 
Cleveland, however, has the cards this week. Then they have the Ravens, Steelers, and they have five games against teams 500 or better. Three of those five, uh, three of those five are division games, and the other two are Jacksonville and the Jets. So to me, the AFC North is up for grabs. Next up, you have Jacksonville um, is running away with the NFC or with the AFC South, and I think they'll continue to do so. They are on a five-game win streak currently. Uh, they play San Francisco next week off their bye week this week. Then they got the Titans and Texans, and they got four games left against teams above 500. Um, the Niners I just mentioned, and then the three AFC North teams. Uh, they already beat Pittsburgh, and they still have Cincy, Cleveland, and Baltimore left to go as well. And all of those are three weeks in a row. So they could actually be the, the deciding factor than in the AL, e, AFC, not AL, sorry, American League. No, the American Football Conference winner as well. Now you got Houston. At, they're surprising teams. I mean, you can either go Houston or Indy here, but Houston's here. Uh, surprising teams as well. Uh, they're definitely – uh, buying into D'Amico Ryans as their head coach. They have four teams, or they only play four games against teams with a winning record the rest of the way. So they have a shot at the playoffs. They got Tampa this week, and then they have Arizona, Denver, Tennessee uh, twice, and Indy after that. So, I mean, they definitely do have a shot at this. Tennessee, I'm guessing, will now be Will Levis's team going forward and that might do the do the trick for them um if this past sunday was any indicator and if they won on thursday night football it's definitely an indicator that it says team ryan Tannehill has just lost his job to the rookie and malik willis is going to probably have to turn wide receiver so they got five games above uh five te- 500 teams left two of them it, it would be jacksonville um, plus they have the seahawks dolphins um, but don't count out uh, Vrabel. Indy looks a lot looks lost. Um, they have Minshew. They lost Anthony Richardson for the year. Um, Minshew's going to keep him respectable, and they are. But they are on a three-game losing streak, and they might lose this week to Carolina at Carolina's house. So there's a little bit of a rundown. Um, that I have for us currently. All right. And so that takes brings me into this week's NFL picks. The Swami, the Swami on the season is 67 and 55, boys and girls. Puts out a 74 71.4% win streak, okay? Last week we went 10 and 6, wasn't really a hot week, but it was a good enough week. So, who do we got this week? Well, I'm taking Pittsburgh this week uh, on the Thursday night game. I did not record this before the Thursday night game, so Pittsburgh wins. Call me Predictonomous, okay? Just saying. All right, at the Germany game, I got the Dolphins-Chiefs. Um, oh, man, that Dolphins defense gives me a little heebie-jeebies, but we're going Miami, baby, over the Chiefs uh, because, for the simple fact, Mike McDaniel showed up at his – uh, at his uh, press conference this week and goes, I know, I'm taller in person, which was by far the best comment ever. Uh, let's see, you got uh, you got Minnesota, Atlanta. In Atlanta, I'm taking Minnesota. I don't care if they got a rookie quarterback, if they got Jalen Hall or not. Um, Atlanta, I'm still going to be picking against them because I just don't think Arthur Smith knows what he's doing. 
You got Arizona and Cleveland taking Cleveland. Then we got L.A. Rams at uh, Lambeau Field against Green Bay. And we're taking the Rams. Commanders versus the Patriots. Give me the Commanders. Mac Jones has looked good at times for about five minutes. That's about it. Next up, you got the Bears Saints. Justin Fields still out. So give me the Saints in New Orleans. Seahawks, Baltimore. I'm going Ravens at home. Um, but I do think with the addition of Leonard Williams, the Seahawks can win. Tampa Bay, Houston. I am going Houston on this one at Houston. So we're going to go with that one. Uh, Indy, Carolina. You know what? I'm going Carolina on this one. All right. And then I got the Giants Raiders. Uh, we're going Raiders. And I'll get in that in a minute here. Uh, we got Cowboys Eagles. I think this is going to be the game to determine whether or not the Cowboys are actually the team going to be a good team this year or not. And if they can beat Philly in Philly, they're a good team. And if they don't, then they're just the Cowboys that the Cowboys have always been. But I'm still going to pick the Cowboys. I got Bill Cincy. I'm taking the Bills over Cincinnati on Sunday Night Football. And Monday Night Football is the Chargers and the Jets at MetLife, whereas the people of New York have now dubbed it Jet Life since they beat the Giants. But the Jets didn't want to score any touchdowns last week, and I don't think they want to score any touchdowns this week. So I'm taking the Chargers as in a way. So there's our picks for this week. Um, good luck on all your gambling needs. Don't take it advice from this guy even though hey we have a winning record all right i do not promote gambling on your own and if you do bet what only you can afford okay now it's time for the five minute or less raiders rant first off i've never thought in my entire life that i would say i want Derek carr back as my head as my quarterback and that's exactly what i said after the Monday night game against the Detroit Lions, Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 96 yards. We had 156 yards of total offense against the Lions. And I know the Lions are a good defense, but we had 156 total yards of offense. We scored 14 points. One of it was a 75-yard TD return by Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters, 75 yards, was half, a little less than half of what our offense put out. This Raiders team under the Josh McDaniels was absolute dog poop. It stunk so bad that it reeked all the way back to New England. And I am so glad Mark Davis finally took the fans' advice and got rid of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. They also told him, take your OC with you as well. Sorry for you, Mick Lombardi, but you got fired as well. And if the rumors are true of how this went down on Halloween, Mark Davis is an OG. All right. Rumor has it is that Josh McDaniels came dressed up on Halloween as Mark Davis. So Mark Davis ordered his ordered his favorite lunch from P.F. Chang's for him and McDaniels. Right. And then had a fortune cookie made that said, you're fired, hot shot. <laughs> now, if that's actually how that went down, that's amazing. That's all I'm saying. All right. This Raiders team is a lot better than what it's played. This Raiders defense is a lot better than people give it credit for. This Raiders defense is by far the best defense we've had in the last five years. I broke it down to before, okay? This Raiders defense is great. The offense, we just got to give Devontae the flipping ball. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, give them the ball. Let them do their thing. They're star players. 
Josh Jacobs has not been utilized the, this year the way he should have been as he was last year. Devontae Adams is not getting the ball at all, and he had a right to be mad on Monday night, and I do not care what people say. Oh, that was a baby of him. He had a right to be mad. If you make Devontae Adams mad, you are doing something wrong. All right? Josh McDaniel should never get a hood coaching job in the NFL ever again. Be an OC with Bill Belichick for all I care. Or just go be the head coach of New England because Robert Kraft loves you anyways. Dave Ziegler, I don't know what your deal was, but you took Tyree Wilson over Jalen Carter in the draft. I don't care if Jalen Carter had 14 arrests, for right out loud. The dude could play ball. You have enough leaders on that team that could take the young man aside and make it happen, right? Max Crosby, Crosby, one of those guys. Mark Davis finally listened to the fans, finally getting rid of Josh McDaniels, and the Josh McDaniels experience is over. Thank goodness. Now, what do we have going forward? Well, we the Raiders going forward has, has a chance. Small but limited chance, right? And as a Raiders fan, I am wearing my Raiders gear right now. It's on a Thursday afternoon, and I'm still wearing my Raiders gear. It starts this week, though. We play the Giants. We got a two-game losing streak against the Bears and the Lions. The Bears, of all of all people. We lost to the Bears. You know why? Because we started Brian Flippin' Hoyer. That's why. Our offense has, not scored, has scored only 20 points one time. Antonio Pierce gave me the most awesome, awesome uh, presser the other day. He's like, we're here to have fun. We're here to smile. We're here to get the job done. We're Raiders. And then they put out a hype video this week as well. And that got me pumped. This Raiders team, I feel like a, a cloud has been lifted. You go out and beat the Giants this week, okay? You got the Jets next week on Sunday Night Football. Uh, you beat them because Zach Wilson is crappy. Then you got the Dolphins at, at Miami. Eh, that's going to be tough. Then you got the Chiefs, and then you got the Vikings at home. I think you could beat the Vikings with Josh Dobbs. <coughs> I do. Then you got the Chargers, which we're beating the Chargers. Then you got the Chiefs at home. By this time, I think we can beat the Chiefs at home. Then you got the Colts and the Broncos. Ride, baby, ride. We got a shot. Let's flipping go. Okay? So the rest of the way, I see us losing one, two, three games at most, which puts us at eh, at a nine and eight record. But I think that might get that done in the in the might get us the seventh seed. We might even get to ten and six if we lose if we can beat the Dolphins or the Chiefs. If we beat the Chiefs twice, Antonio Pierce should be our next head coach. Just saying. Now, why did I say Harbaugh is the next head coach of the Raiders? Because that's what has been rumored as it is. I don't think he becomes a Raiders head coach. He didn't prove anything to me. I mean, well, he did take the Niners to the Super Bowl, I guess. So, I mean, okay, bring in Jim Harbaugh. But if Antonio Pierce turns this thing around, stick with the guy that's hot this time instead of getting rid of him like they did Bash- Rich Bashia or Bash- uh, whatever his name was, right? Rich B., who took over for John Gruden, got the team to the playoffs. Then we bring in J- Josh McDaniels, who we were supposed to be on a high note last year. And then they ended up getting rid of Derek Carr, which thank goodness they did. However, you didn't do anything any, anything special after that. So this is why I'm saying 
We have a shot with this Raiders team. All right? We have a shot at the playoffs. Let's turn this thing around, boys. Let's get this thing going. We got the we finally got we finally got McDaniels out of here. We got a new head coach. We're gonna get a new GM. Promote within Mark Davis. Let's do it. All right. Huh. <sighs> My rant is over. Also, Nebraska. I'm still blown away by this. Nebraska Cornhuskers have an inside shot of making the Big Ten championship game. I'm going to say that every single week until it's no longer true. Okay? So, there you have it. There you have this week's episode. 47 minutes of fun. Love it. I got to go to work. I got to be to work real soon. Got to go deliver them pizzas to the masses. All right? Uh, Shout out to everybody that's going to listen to this. Shout out to everybody that's going to get mad at me. But, you know what? Go Raiders. Go UNLV Rebs. Go the flipping. Los Angeles Clippers. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, Here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales podcast is all about the lesser-known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Grange. But have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? How about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman? These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintales.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.